Joss Whedon is being accused of abusing his power again, this time on the set of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This year's list of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees is out, and we have questions. And we're talking about framing Britney Spears with a consummate expert, Matt Stapera. It's February 10th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Safford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. And happy hump day, Casey. We're happy through the week. Thank you. Thank you. I love when I can pretend that days are special. I know. I was going to say this, that used to, I used to be like the king of being like, happy pre-Friday, happy hump day, happy first Monday. But what do days even mean anymore? It doesn't matter. It's all a deluge of the same purgatory that we're in. <laughs> so hello, everyone, for listening. We are happy today. <laughs> uh, uh, correction, Zach. We're not happy today. No, not at all. Today Sorry, we have a lot of negative today we're not happy. Um, yeah, so to start off, uh, we have some heartbreaking and enraging news. Charisma Carpenter of Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame has come out in support of actor Ray Fisher. Fisher made allegations that director Joss Whedon abused his power on the set of Justice League. Carpenter's statement is lengthy, but she starts by stating that, quote, for nearly two decades, I've held my tongue and even made excuses for certain events that traumatized me to this day. Joss Whedon abused his power on numerous occasions while working together on the sets of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. While he found his misconduct amusing, it only served to intensify my performance anxiety, disempower me, and alienate me from my peers. Carpenter has received support from co-star Amber Benson, who tweeted, quote, Buffy was a toxic environment and it starts at the top. At all charisma is speaking truth and I support her 100%. This is, we talked a bit about this earlier today because it's hard for us as queer people who love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who have always found so much joy from the show to now hear this, that the fact that some of our favorite people ever were going through such an awful toxic environment is just, is heartbreaking. And, to hear. and I think the the wild part is that Charisma kept this, you know, relatively to herself for 20 years. I mean, that just tells you how toxic and controlling the set must have been if that's something that you don't share with the public. Because something that's brought up a lot when you're on these toxic sets, sometimes you don't speak out because it's directly linked to getting a job. And Casey, all I keep thinking about is the fact that the reason why folks are waiting, you know, 10, 20 years to come forward is that it's only recent that people felt empowered enough to speak out that something could happen. And it makes me feel so sad for folks like uh, like Amber Benson and everyone else involved who had to just live in a silence and hope that their careers are not going to be destroyed if they even wink at something happening. And it makes me think a lot about, like, I, we talked about this, I've got to interview Sarah Michelle Gellar before, and a lot of people always say it's always weird when you bring Buffy up to her because she gets very defensive about how she does not want to go back to the set, how she doesn't want to talk about it, and that she loves the show and loves that people love it so much, but she does not want to redo it at all. Mm -hmm. And I think we are definitely going to be watching this story because, you know, two people have come forward so far, and I'm sure others are going to. 100%. All right, so here's a story that should also shock you. This year's ballot for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame features a stacked class with Iron Maiden, Jay-Z, Kate Bush, Rage Against the Machine, and Foo Fighters. Also on this list, who you would assume would already be in the Hall of Fame, Tina Turner. That's right. Tina Turner is finally on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ballot. And for some reason, she is not already in the hall as a solo act. So for clarification, Tina is technically in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but only as part of a duo with 
Ike, her ex-partner. But as part of this class as a solo artist, she's with the likes of Carol King, Mary J. Blige, and Shaka Khan. So you really need to check out this year's list of nominees because it just feels like it's a bunch of people that you already thought were there that weren't there, and now they're finally getting their due. Zach, I'm going to need to pause for a second. Are you telling me that Tina Turner, Carol King, Mary J. Blige, and Chaka Khan, none of them are in already? Some of the most iconic performers who ever graced the planet Earth are somehow not already there. And, you know, I know people are going to push back and say, well, she's already technically there. And, you know, there's only a certain amount of time in which they're allowed to be considered. Tina Turner has been allowed to be considered since 1999 as a solo artist. We are now, what is this, 12? 22 years, 22 years, sorry, I can't do math today, but 22 years of uh, eligibility, and we're just now seeing this. So there we go. Happy okay, which, which is wild because I have to assume that Jay-Z and the Foo Fighters have not been eligible for that long. No, no, the men <laughs> have had shorter eligibility and have gotten, uh, have risen to the stature much quicker. <laughs> so misogyny is also at play for me here. I obviously have no evidence. I want to I see who's on this panel. I'm going to need to know who these judges are. I need to see some faces. Girl, you could just, you could just guess. You could guess. You could guess. You don't even got to do some investigation. You could already probably start to scrap. Yeah, did you like I was trying to be diplomatic and be like, let let me see. I'm going to be like, I bet one of the guys named John, he's six feet, white, married twice, never played an instrument before. John. And somebody's going to be like, yeah, that's John, John King. Yeah, yeah, he's on there. See, easy. <laughs> All right. So speaking of musicians who deserve our recognition and respect, we have some feelings about Framing Britney Spears, the documentary from the New York Times that's forcing all of us to reexamine how the pop star was treated by the media, paparazzi, and even her own fans. And it's got us all asking so many questions. Like, how did Justin Timberlake come away from this unscathed? And how did the media treat other young women at the time? And why is it taking so long to course correct after all of this? So today we're talking with BuzzFeed's own Britney Stan, Matt Stapera. Hi, Matt. Thanks for being here today. Hi, guys. I'm ready here to talk about Britney. I oh. hope you guys are in on the movement. Yes, we are. We're we here. Are here. <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally. We've been waiting for you guys to join this whole time. No, and that's so if listeners don't know, because we're aware of it, but your qualifications as a Britney Spears expert are very, they go back a very long time. But for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain how far back your deep love of Britney goes? So my biggest claim to fame, the coolest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life was when I was 14 years old and MTV came to my house because I was a rabid, crazy Britney Spears fan. Britney. My name's Matt and we're in Schenectady, New York, and I am the biggest Britney fan in the whole entire world and in the universe, too. And they interviewed me all day and I became part of this weird show called Fanography and I haven't done anything as cool ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Not true, but that is an amazing way for your entrance into media, Matt. That's an incredible first first job. <laughs> yeah, so I actually, my other claim to fame is that I was the first person to like really call out Justin Timberlake. Good, my heart is broken. And that's all because of the slime ball, Justin, who just totally just dropped her. She he dropped her on the ground just like that. And so like that is like also what I'm proud of is being one of the first to publicly shame Justin Timberlake. 
I'm glad you brought that up because I feel as if everyone that's watched the Britney documentary is uh, realizing that retrospectively, we have clearer sights onto what happened and we're now more angry than we were back then. And, but there were people kind of beating at the drum like yourself back then saying, hey, something's not right here. So talk to us more about this larger cultural moment we're in right now where it seems like everyone's waking up and being like, holy shit, Britney Spears was really being traumatized by us. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things about this documentary that just really made us all go back to when we were like teenagers in the early 2000s and be like, oh, that was really messed up. Like, why is a grown man asking a 17, 18 year old girl if she's a virgin? Why are they talking? Like, one of the weirdest things to me was how obsessed with her boobs people were. Everyone's talking about it. Why? Well, your breasts. You seem to get furious when... Like, absolutely obsessed. Like, I remember in seventh grade having to defend her against having fake boobs as if it was like... And we're talking about a 17 or 18-year-old and just things like that wouldn't happen nowadays, period. And just this total lack of regards for any personal boundary. Did you... You know, you are one of the top and foremost experts in the world of Britney Spears, but was there anything that you learned new rewatching a lot of these clips and seeing her, her history retold? It's hard. So I think that this documentary was super important in just kind of showing everyone the things that we as Britney fans have been seeing going on for the last 12, 13 years and also since the beginning of her career. And I think that it, this just really laid it out there in a cohesive timeline and really digestible and just a really important way for people to be like, oh, hey, this thing was really messed up. Like we've treated this person terribly for the last 20 years and maybe we should reevaluate how we think about like these people. But in terms of learning something totally new, you know what I'm really happy about that people got to see in because the whole thing was so rage inducing and so, you know, upsetting. But there's this person on the documentary, Fee, Felicia, who is a Britney Spears fan favorite. She, I've met Fee multiple times. She used to send me Christmas cards. She is just the most genuine, nicest person that you've ever met. To be honest, I didn't then, nor do I now, understand what a conservatorship is, especially for somebody Britney's age and somebody capable of so much. Like she was included in the documentary because it was like, it's easy to like think of Britney as this big victim, but she's also this incredibly talented, amazing, smart, funny, clever person. And having Felicia, one of the people that knows her best is, I think it was, that was really important and cool to see. All right, we'll be right back with more from Matt on how framing Britney Spears is making us all rethink how Britney was portrayed in the media. It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? 
Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Rafi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver. And on my podcast, Mini Questions, I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry, journalist and television host Jeremy Clarkson, editor-in-chief of InStar magazine Laura Brown, and creative juggernaut Goldie. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Matt Stapera about Framing Britney. The series doesn't just focus on the Free Britney movement, though, and her current legal battles. A lot of what people are finding most alarming is just watching back how she was treated by the press from the beginning of her career, notably the paparazzi coverage. I mean, you talked about the obsession with her breasts, but do you remember what that was like watching this happen to her in the 2000s? The thing that is so jarring and so crazy to look back and see is the crowds that followed her. You know, she was, I'm working on something right now, putting together things that weren't in the documentary that I think could have been. And there's this one clip, she did this MTV documentary in 2008 called For the Record. And it's actually the most inside her head that we've gotten in 12 years. And there's one clip that she's talking about where she talks about driving and Britney Spears loves to drive. And so the interviewer asked her, where do you, when's the last time you felt free? And her answer was when I was able to drive. And so we, as Britney fans, whenever we see her driving, it's kind of like this sign that's like, Oh, she's happy. She's doing what she wants to do. Because in that clip in the documentary, they literally drive her up to a car in the desert and she's freaking out. She goes, that's my car. Oh my God, I'm going to be able to drive. Britney's life is so bizarre and so weird, but her back to the paparazzi was that that was the way that she would go and escape was that she would go out at night and she would go to McDonald's. She'd go to the drive-in like because she likes to go out and not be hounded. But then the paparazzi got hold of that. And then suddenly. That's where we were getting all these clips of her hounding her 40 people at, at the Taco Bell behind her. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened. And talking about, hounding her. I mean, it really escalated. There's also the fact that they would literally try to get photos up her skirt, which if it happened today, wouldn't it be treated as a sex crime? You know, that's another thing that I think that was one thing that they didn't really go into because that was like an era. If you guys remember, like the Lindsay Lohan Paris, like the money shot was them getting out of a car. And then it became like this whole, like it's their fault when it was like, hey, you're sticking a camera in someone's crotch as they're like that 2006, 2007 time period of the of the upskirt, the legal upskirt. Like, what was that even was just crazy, you know, and that was like a really bizarre media moment that we as members of the media were just allowing to happen back then, which also made me think of another moment in the documentary that I've talked a lot about privately, but now we're in a place to talk about publicly is Diane Sawyer and her interview style. So I want to just play a quick clip of her talking to Britney Spears. 
What happened to your clothes? What well, happened I have on clothes now. I know. But what's this about? No kidding. What is it about? What is it about? Yeah. It's about doing a, a, a beautiful picture. Is it about shocking people? About shocking? You yeah. know what? I feel no, comfortable is... in my skin. I think it's a, an okay thing to um, express yourself. Have you ever gone further than you wish you had? Gone further? Yeah. Um, no. I don't think so. So Matt, it felt like such a strange time when we were trying to hold pop stars to the same standards as the elected officials, especially because this was in the wake of Bill Clinton and the Monica Lewinsky scandal. So like, what did you make of that moment and like how we talk to celebrities versus then and now? You know what I thought was really interesting in the documentary was how they brought it back to the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton time period. And that was something that I hadn't really done in my head and realized that it was like the way that we put these Puritan values on the young women of society. And then especially the celebrities, I was watching another clip of Britney today when she, this was in 98 and she realized it herself. She was like, in the baby video, I just showed my belly and people go crazy. And then she goes in sync and backstreet. And she's like, I love them by the way, but you know, they're uh, making out with a microphone and lifting up their shirts and grinding on the ground. And they only say it about me. And I mean, that still is the type of thing that happens today. So we already talked about this. You need much credit. You said it when you were 14. And then you said it again in 2016 when you wrote a piece titled Dear Justin Timberlake, Just Fucking Stop, where you call him out for basically trolling Britney for a decade and a half. Doesn't it feel like he launched his career by slut shaming Britney? He did 1000%. 1000%. It's so crystal clear looking back. I mean, we're talking about the era of Us Weekly and In Touch Magazine and Star Magazine. And so this is how people were getting their news back then. And you know what? Us Weekly liked Justin Timberlake. And they would have these very one-sided covers about how uh, Britney broke his heart. And then the next week you would have Britney on the cover and it's Britney's wild nights out and how she's so off the rails. And it was very, very one-sided. And I think that um, Justin really was able to take advantage of that narrative and ride it all the way, you know, into the the 2010s too. Like he always was the victim and Britney was always, you know, he was bringing up Crimea River in 2013. It's like, give it up, dude. Like, <laughs> come on. And it wasn't just Britney. I feel like the timing of this has us all re-examining the Janet Jackson Super Bowl incident. What are your thoughts on that one? You know, as Britney fans, we love to say that uh, one misconception is that they say Madonna was Britney's hero, but it was actually Janet Jackson. So we love Janet Jackson. And Janet Jackson was another victim of Justin Timberlake. You have Janet, Britney. That's not. No. I mean, that was. I mean, you know, I'm visibly upset. <laughs> you are visibly upset right now. You are. And I don't want I don't want to make you like even more upset, but there's double standards here too. I feel like I need to point out that Justin Timberlake had his own cheating scandal not too long ago, and that just disappeared. Isn't that a very clear double standard? I just want to bring up one thing too, is that how Britney's as a person has been posting, like she's been dancing to Justin Timberlake videos. Like she clearly is in a certain mind frame over this. It is also weird that we're talking about a relationship that happened 20 years ago. Imagine talking about your ex that was 20 years ago. 
I'm sure no one likes to hear that, but I think that she has been a good sport throughout this time. And obviously look at all the people that have been using Brittany, you know, Brittany brand is huge. This is why we're talking about this in the first place. This is why the conservatorship is a thing is there's a lot of money in Britney Spears and everyone wants a bit of that money. And so that's why we're here now talking about this. And, you know, one thing I just want to say is that we can't forget about the person here. Like this is Britney Spears. This is about a human being. This isn't about, you know, money. This isn't about fame. This isn't about new music videos or music. This is about a person. And I think that sometimes it's easy to forget about that and that, you know, Brittany's Brittany's a human, you know, she said in her documentary, she was like, you know, I want people to know that I'm, I'm a person just like you and me. And so that's what I think she wants us to know. Now, well, let's talk about that before we let you go. You know, her personhood right now, she's still under the control of a conservatorship. We can't even get in touch with her in real ways. She doesn't have control of her own social media, anything. And we see in the documentary that she kind of winks to the the movement uh, in a lawsuit. So we get a wink in that, like, she's watching this and she's looks like she's cheering on folks that are behind the Britney Spears movement. So what, what's next? Are we going to see any real meaningful change here? You know what? Every day in a Britney Spears fan's life is different and unpredictable. And, you know, just uh, today we had Sam Ascari, her boyfriend. And the thing about Britney Spears is you don't hear anyone that's super close to her. Even the people in the documentary were from like 2003, 2004. And Sam is her boyfriend. And this was huge. This was huge. Sam gained so, so many points from us, but he said he called Jamie a dick, her dad. And it was like, oh, okay. So like, this is going down. Something's happening. And so Brittany also clever yesterday posted an Instagram where she very subtly was like, oh, the thing that was on last week that everyone is talking about. And then she paused and she goes the Super Bowl. And it's like, girl, we know what you just did. You were not just talking about the Super Bowl. And then she, then she's even smarter than that because she's like, yes, I care about this one team, but I don't even remember the name of the others, I guess sharing. And it's like, girl, she just trolled us right there. Like she just totally, you know, I hate to say that there's so many hidden messages in what she does, but I think that she does know exactly what she's doing and she's very clever and she's very smart. And that's something that we need to realize about Britney Spears is that she's, she has been very patient about this and very strategic about this conservatorship and patient, you know, this has been years and years and years, but you know, you can't just look what the media has done to her in the last 12 years. So what, what is she just going to go out and start screaming from the rooftops? I mean, then we're going to get another story about how Britney's crazy again. So Britney has been strategic. She's smart. And I think things will play out. And I think eventually will work. I think things will work out eventually. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. We were incredibly excited because you, I mean, I say this without any joking. You to me are like the first person to think of whenever Britney Spears news comes out. I'm like, what is Matt saying? What's, what's he tweeting now? <laughs> ah! Oh my God. That's, you know, that's all I could ask for in my life. My legacy, everything. There you go. All right. Well, thank you again. Thanks guys. That's it for today. Come back tomorrow to join us. And remember, if you're a reporter and asking about a teenager's breasts, maybe just don't. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily.
If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. Have you ever felt depressed about work, only to have your dad be like, why are you so down? So you told him you hate your job, and he said, well, you better talk yourself out of it. And then you thought, hmm, I love to talk. I could host a podcast. And then you went to Spreaker from iHeart and started a podcast and got good at it, then monetized it, then quit your boring job, then told your dad, thanks for the advice. And he was like, well, that's not what I meant, and I don't understand what a podcast is, but you seem happy, so that's great, kiddo. You ever do that? Well, you could. At Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Ask your dad. You actually don't. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 